Okay, I got a knock-knock joke for you, Ben. <laughs> Go for it. Knock-knock. Who's there? Etch. Etch who? Bless you. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to The Well. My name is Christian, and I'm so glad that you are here. Our hope is that during your time with us, you can acquire some relevant and practical resources to aid you in your journey with teenagers. This is episode four, where we will share about some teen culture takeaways. So without further ado, welcome to The Well. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the Well Podcast. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I hope you all enjoyed our little intro knock-knock joke there. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to ruin this surprise, uh, like the magic behind it. Christian just spent like four minutes looking for a good knock-knock joke. Try and change things up, you know? And that, and that was the best one he came up with. <laughs> Well, I hope, I hope it made you laugh. Again, if anything, if you don't take anything away from this podcast, we hope that you laugh a little bit. Or you at least get a good, bad... Knock-knock joke. Dad joke. Tell it... Do this. Tell that joke to your teenager and then send us their response. <laughs> I would, or well, don't. Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to episode four. Yeah. Of the well. We're so glad that you guys are here. Yeah. So uh, my name is Ben Dieterly. So glad that you're joining us today. Yeah. And my name's Christian Hessling. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a great kind of, I'll say bonus episode yeah. um, because we've been talking about youth culture or teen culture um, for the last two weeks. And yep. today is kind of a bonus one Yeah. Um, in the sense that we are probably releasing it a little bit in a different cadence. Yeah. Right now we're trying to release like on an every other week. Yep. Although today with this one, and depends on when you're listening to this, this yeah. might not <laughs> matter to you, uh, but today we're actually dropping two episodes so yep. both episode three and four will drop today yeah uh, and we're pretty excited for that so thanks for joining us uh we got a lot to kind of cover yeah. four kind of bonus ideas or things that yeah. we want to talk through so yeah so today i'm kind of calling this episode teen culture takeaways because we've done a lot of work the past couple of weeks to kind of help um help give you guys tools to not only understand culture uh and but also to respond to culture to speak into the experience of our young people yeah. um and so today it's just kind of a bonus episode where we are going to pass on some four hopefully helpful, hopefully very practical tips that you can employ in your situations and in your conversations with your young people. Yeah. So we're going to recap a little bit of those four questions just for reference. I encourage you, if you've not listened to those episodes, to go do so because those kind of set up some of the context for this episode. But we went through four steps uh, to kind of not only understand but respond to teen culture. And let's recap those. Do you want to do the first one? Yeah. So the first step was the descriptive task of the what's going on. Yeah. So kind of asking that question, hey, what's actually happening here? What's yeah. the full scope? Yeah. Um, rather than just rather than just reacting, yeah. begin to ask with a little bit of curiosity. Hey, yeah. what's happening? And just like if you watch a movie, you don't watch five minutes of it and then come to conclusions. You right. want to be pretty uh, understanding of what the whole movie is about before we respond, right? right? right. Uh, that brings us to the second question, which is the interpretive task. Uh, and the question that we ask there is, why is this going on? Mm -hmm. We understand what's happening. Now, why did my teenager decide to do this? Why are they listening to this music? Why are they acting this way? Why are they wearing this attire? And so that's a pretty important question. Um, that's yeah. where we interpret what they're doing. And steps, steps one and two, I feel like are the curiosity part have yep. some curiosity the what and the why are big step three then which is in the book it's called the normative task uh, and that's kind of asking the question what ought to be going on yeah. so as you're looking at the situation as you're understanding it what should actually be happening here 
Yeah, and that's where our values, our beliefs, our right. convictions all come into play. Um, because if we go back to that quote we talked about a couple of weeks ago, culture is an expression of our values. And right. So if we want to do culture well, uh, then we want to lean into our own values and our own beliefs. And that's where that question comes in. And then the last fourth, the fourth step is the strategic pragmatic task. And the question there is how might we respond? And right. that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where we take our this paradigm of what should be happening and we make it come to life. Right. And again, those all come from a book by Richard Osmer called Practical Theology. And it's just a super helpful process to kind of work through these things. Yeah. And so by those steps, we're hoping that that can help equip us to better interpret and understand teach cult, teen culture and then be able to, to respond yeah. to that. So I am pretty excited about this this one. I feel like while, while we do have kind of content and, and Christian does a great job week after week of trying to provide content that's helpful to you. Honestly, I feel like I just show up and I go, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Um, so I, I'm pretty excited because this is, this is a little bit of more of a conversation. I feel like in, yeah. in talking through like, Hey, Christian, what kind of tips as we talk about culture? And I think Christian's got some really good tips here, just putting this into practice. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah. And I wish it was like, I wish it was kind of, um, I mean, I know there are some books that kind of talk about these things, but I wish right. it was always simple and predictable. Right. Like right. Math, right? <laughs> like math two plus two is always four. Right. Even with new math. Yeah, it's all it's all predictable, and and but unfortunately, uh, this this act uh, or this our engaging teen culture is never always predictable. That's right. Um, the things that we could do might not always yield the response that we want. Right. Um, so that's why I pray every day that working with teenagers is predictable like that. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like we touched on this at the last episode yeah. as well, is that the reality is, is that this is kind of one tool in your arsenal. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean that if you do everything right, then you're going to have perfect teenagers yeah. or that things are going to work out well. Like, no, you could do everything right and it still not go well. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the reality of working with teens is because... It just is, it's an ongoing process and it's yeah, a relationship. It so, yeah. so I think that that's important to kind of point out and, um, yeah, it's not predictable. It's, it's flexible, it's fluid mm -hmm. and you're always learning. Yep. Like, so just consider this one of the tools. So, yep. so what are some of the, the tips I guess then yeah. uh, that you would give to us as we just spent, you know, these, these past two weeks talking about teen culture and kind of these four steps, yeah. what are some of the practical tips that you've thought about and that we're going to dive into today? Yeah. So we'll cover four today. Um, and again, I think these all will kind of benefit that four step process that we talked about, but the first one, very simple and we'll kind of hash it out is meeting our young people in their culture, Okay. which, uh, it doesn't mean you have to go to their school through the hallways with a backpack and say, what's up, youngins? <laughs> like, I'm just going to hang no, out don't with Don't do that. Yeah. Just, just don't. I think that would have the opposite effect of yeah. what you want it to, so don't go to their school. Um, <laughs> so what do you mean by that, though? Does that mean that you should be showing up at, you know, Billy Idol's, uh, like... Billy Eilish? Eilish, sorry. Gosh. Idol. Billy Idol was... Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, like, does that mean you should be going to these concerts? Like, you should be engaging? Like, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so uh, it could look a lot of different ways, but the idea here is that you are... Um, creating spaces and opportunities where you let them share a bit of your culture, a bit of their culture with you. Okay. And so some tangible examples, uh, a simple one is let them DJ in the car and invite Ooh. them to pick whatever. They I want. don't know, man. The car's my sacred place <laughs> I where know. I sing really loud. I, know, so. I mean, it's super risky, but uh, <laughs> if you create this space where they trust you enough to play anything they listen to, because mm. 
truth of the matter is um, if any teenager has Spotify, they can listen to any song That's they right. want. That's and right. Spotify is a great streaming service. I use it, but everything's on there. That's right. Um, explicit content, right. non-explicit. And so um, create a safe space where, man, uh, you, they trust you enough to be able to play their Spotify playlist. Right. And then create that space. Say, hey, I'm going to do something I don't always do. I invite you to play whatever you listen to in the car, and I won't say anything. I'm just going to listen to it with you. Um, listen to it with you in that moment. And some of our next steps, we'll kind of talk about how you can kind of respond to those situations. But right. yeah, let them DJ in the car. Um, maybe you're sitting down as a family watching TV. Let them pick the show. Say, hey, play a TV show that you and all your friends talk about or yeah. play a TV show that you guys um, watch or you know, play a TV show that will help me understand you more, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Invite them to do that. And that might mean that you can't watch your TV show that night. Um, but if we want to enter the culture, we have to create those spaces uh, to do so. Uh, yeah. When you go into the movies, let them pick the movie. Um, yeah. Give them okay. full you know, autonomy to do that. And it might be a movie that you want to watch too and you're like, score. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, it might be something you don't want to watch. But if they're interested and intrigued in it, yeah. uh, our watching it with them will help us learn a little bit about, hey, maybe why are you interested in this and stuff like that. And it doesn't mean that you – I have to ne like neglect what I like. It doesn't mean that I never yeah. get to watch my own shows. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I don't get to pick the movies. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I can't invite them into yeah. like, hey, I'm going to check out this movie. Do you want to go with yeah. But just giving permission and the freedom, I, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah. To just be able to engage a little bit in that culture, to hear yeah. what they're what they're going through, what they're yeah. hearing, what they're what they're putting into their mind's eye. Like yeah. What they're consuming. That. Right. Yeah. Um, and hey, you might find a new artist or TV show you like. Who knows? That could be a benefit. You know? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or maybe you'll find something you're like this is bad. Or this you'll is very bad. Or you'll go. That's why I don't like teen culture. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, create those spaces. Uh, and another one that uh, I think this one requires a bit more courage and boldness. Um, and I know maybe teenagers might not always want this one, but have weekly check-ins for social media activity. Um, and this is really important because I think what happens a lot nowadays is um, young people are given unbridled access yeah. to the internet. Yeah. Uh, and so they're always consuming constantly. I think I heard a statistic. I can't remember if this is right. Maybe about average eight hours a day. Wow. So, so that's eight hours that's of, um, of people consuming, being shaped and formed. And so if you have a, a space that's trusting enough, what if you and your young people created a, uh, a weekly check-in for social mm -hmm. media where you checked out, you know, who are you following? Uh, you checked out the content on their newsfeed. Uh, and even I would ask and invite you to go a step further and be bold enough to show them your social media engagement. Make it mm -hmm. a two-way street. Um, I think this helps reinforce mutual communication um, because it, it's this idea of you guys are growing together with each other. Uh, and then this also helps you set the example in some ways. And yeah. so invite them to ask questions about, hey, who do you follow? Uh, what do you do on social media and stuff? That's um, really bold. But I think, gosh, when we yeah. can do that with our young people, that speaks volumes to them. And it gives them the ability um, the ability to kind of be involved in that conversation for you. Um, yeah, and. I was just going to say, sorry, yeah. I don't, I don't no, mean to interrupt good. there, but I feel like, yeah, that's such a social media is such a powerful, I'll even use it the is. word drug yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's the, that's what, you know, science is kind of saying is that, yeah. that there's chemicals released in our brain that makes it addictive. Like yeah, absolutely. That, that, that pleasure sensor will like when you get a like or comment and people yeah. are talking about you, there's something there and it's, and you're right. I think that it's an unbridled, like un filtered usually uncensored, like yep. uncensored way that our, our young people are getting addicted like yeah. by the droves so i think that that's really good i will say that that's probably a real challenge especially if you have oh, teenagers yeah. now 
that you you don't do this. How yeah. do you, how do you begin to start that? Do you just kind of jump in? Or? Yeah. So um, I would suggest and this is uh, kind of thinking out loud. Um, I've seen it before. So I mean, as a parent, you're providing that device in a lot of contexts, and so you can kind of create a what I like to call a covenant, like a promise between you and your teenagers of these are the expectations for this device. Uh, anything left unchecked or you know um, yeah, just unchecked can kind of become. Uh, bad habits, like right. being on the phone eight hours a day, just consuming uh, mindless stuff that could be a bad habit. Right. And so um, I've seen it done before where uh, where when a parent buys their teenager a phone, they sit down together and write a family covenant, uh, kind of a promise to each other of expectations for device usage. And so um, and then when it's un and you you all work on it together, right? The teenager has a voice in it and the parents have a voice in it. And of course, the teenager will agree in the moment because they're like, yeah, I'm getting an iPhone 11 <laughs> out of this. Um, but then, you know, down the road when they may have been picking up some not so great habits, you can say, hey, remember this covenant that we agreed right. to, even print it out, hang it on the fridge and say this covenant that we agreed to at the beginning, I think you're violating it. And you know, the fun part is, is uh, maybe not so fun. It applies to the <laughs> parents as well. Like right. this is a family covenant and you're all in this together. Um, and so, yeah, work on a covenant that kind of yeah. lays out the expectations and stuff. Uh, and on there could be, hey, we're going to check in weekly, all of us together. Um, or, you know, another a rule is, you know, we're not going to have secret accounts. And I know that's a, a there's a Finsta is Insta with Instagram with the letter F in front. It's a right. fake Instagram. That's right. a thing nowadays. And so let's not have fake accounts. Let's be open and honest because right. that's not what we're about. Right. And again, these apply not only to the young people, but the adults as well. And I think if they all have a hand in shaping that covenant right. together, gosh, that could be so powerful. And, and I think the teenager just knowing that they have a voice in that is pretty cool. Yeah. So I, um, do, I do think, uh, so I'm just hearing that and I'm going, yeah, that works well if you're just starting with a cell phone. So yeah. if you've got a, you know, a preteen <laughs> or a teen, uh -oh. if you've got, like a 16 year old now he's had a phone and, for and years. he's had a phone for years man i this is it's gonna be rough yeah right? like I, it could be challenging i think yeah. that what you do is you just you got to kind of jump into it like yeah you, you got to just hey it might be in response to something or maybe it's even just preventative yeah of going hey so this is what i've been thinking about this is what i've been led to this is what i'm feeling like we should probably do yep. either to correct some habits that are there already that aren't helpful yeah or to just again preventative to make sure that we don't get to that so yeah. so i think that if you've got a teenager that's already had a phone and it's kind of like obviously they're they're not going to be happy if they yeah. they're doing eight hours of just mindless you know social <laughs> media and now all of a sudden you're going to put a a lid on that yeah. now there's going to be some tough some conversations so there. good luck yeah hang in there you can do this and that's it we'll see you guys next time yeah next that's story. that's all we got yeah. no but uh and i think uh that's a really good point and i think a lot of that um depends on again where they're at in that process in the last episode i encourage you guys to check it out we talked about um identifying where it is your student is or your teenager is on kind of maturity level right. and we talked about three paradigms um the the teacher student the explorer guide and then the focuser and the resourcer and so i encourage you to go back to the last episode to listen to that but yeah. how you respond to the situation even if your teenagers had a phone for months or years uh, and you're trying to institute or create um, this process by which uh, you all monitor that together um, the way you do that might depend on where your student is at so it might warrant you're just stepping in saying hey we are doing this um, or you can kind of create that dialogue say hey how can we create a right. space um, where uh, we can do this well do phones well have social media well and create that dialogue 
dialogue with your teenager. So some of it depends uh, where your your teenager is at, mature level wise, or um, yeah. cognitively, or just a lot of other things. So. Yeah. Okay, so kind of thought number one is meet them in their culture. What yeah. like what's the next step? Yeah, yeah. So thought number one, meet them in the culture. The second thing is uh, uh, respond more than you react. Mm, and so good. this is a kind of a um, a response to meeting them in their culture because you might meet them in their culture <laughs> and you hear that word and that song or you know the content and mm. you just want to pull the car over and have a stern talking <laughs> um, or other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is really, really important. And I think this step will determine whether or not your teenager will trust you enough yeah. to open up about these right, things. Right. And I know it's much more complicated than that, but, um, but let's dive into responding more than you react. So when I think of the word react, um, reactions are immediate and right. not thought through. Like if you think in chemistry class and you mix two chemicals together, like immediately right. they react right. and they explode or what, what have you. Right. And uh, oftentimes, and I'm so guilty of this. Um, I think adults react to situations in frustration and anger. Yeah, absolutely. They, they hear that song their teens listening to, or they see what their teenager is wearing and they just flip right. like, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that? Right. And I'm not suggesting that you can't experience these frustrations and emotions. You can. And I think it's almost inevitable. But however, I think we have to identify our frustrations and identify them in us, let them subside, and then uh, interact with our teenager in a yeah. way that's thought through. Uh, and we want to respond to their situation because – and this is why a lot of times I hear in like youth group when I'm working with teenagers, I'm like, oh, I can't tell my parents because they will freak right, out. Right. right. Like if they knew this, they would just lose their lid. Like they would just freak out, right? Um and I know as parents, you don't want that, like you don't want your teenagers to hide things, uh, because like at all. Right. Um, and so, um, I think what we have to do is create these spaces where we can respond. Um, because ultimately, um, what we want as leaders and their parents is we want their openness and honesty. And I think our reactions may curb that a bit. Right. However, our calm, thoughtful responses may invite that. And I think that's why we called the last episode responding to teen culture yeah. instead of, uh, reacting to teen culture. <laughs> um, um, uh, because, uh, yeah, no one needs to be taught how to react to teen culture. It just happens. <laughs> um, we're naturally good at reacting, but we do need to learn how to respond. Um, and yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm sitting here thinking, and I, I do think it's important to point out sometimes a reaction happens when you're like, you don't expect it to, right? Like yeah. that the reality is that most of the time it happens yeah. And you're not expecting it to. Yeah. So I think that it's important even in that, like there is times where you're not going to get it right. There is times where you're going to, you're going to react rather than respond. Yeah. But I think it's powerful when you can come back to your teenager and say, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry for the way that I reacted. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a huge, huge that's like so influencer and example that's for so your yeah. students to go, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry that I responded just out of emotion or I responded out of reaction of, I just couldn't believe yeah. like, and just taking kind of a timeout, even if it already happened, like we all are parents. Like, I mean, we're all parents. No, we're not all parents. I don't know. If, like, I don't think I'm a parent. <laughs> we're, we're all human is what I'm trying to yeah. say is that. And so the reality is, is that even if you were an expert in this field, you're still going to probably react because Somebody that you love, that you yep. care about, that in the moment you're going, no, I don't want that for you. And I can't believe that you would even consider that. Like, yeah. So in that, use that as an example 
for your yeah. son, your daughter, the teenager that you're working with, that when a reaction happens, that's okay. Yeah. Like, that's quite okay. And then I do wonder if there's times where, like, a reaction is merited. Yeah. Like, so, right? like, because I think sometimes you're, like, again, I think we talked about this briefly in the last episode. Yeah. For a toddler, if you see a toddler walking towards a hot, like, stove or whatever, you, yeah. you fill in that gap there. Like, there's a reaction of, no, yeah. don't do that. You don't I mean, want to calmly explain, like, yeah, hey, like, you hey, shouldn't do that. little Susan, <laughs> yeah. don't touch that. Let me have a conversation with you. Like, no, yeah. you're going to react and you're going to pick up the toddler and make yeah. sure that they don't do that. Yeah. So, I and it, yeah, that's a great you, question. How do you play, like, tw- yeah. I guess talk through that a little That's bit. That's a really good question. I think our response is always contextual. And I think in most cases, we have to be very diligent to respond. But there are some instances where a reaction, I think, is warranted. Yeah. Um, like the example of a child touching a stove or if there's a child running to, into a street. Right. Um, I think it's appropriate in that moment to react and to express that emotion in a way that hopefully like doesn't harm the child, but expresses the severity of the situation. Cause yeah. you know, if a child's running into the street and a parent reacts and they show up, like they're, they're upset. Right. Um, hopefully the idea is that it's actually a tool to teach the child how severe that instance is. Right, and right. you know, no, don't ever run into the road. Right. Um, and so I think in some instances, yeah, a reaction might be actually a tool to help teach. Right. Um, but when it comes to teen culture, uh, and are trying to have these conversations with our teen and enter this culture, I think we have to be very careful that we, um, that we consider responding, uh, responding to that. And I was going to say, um, I think uh, when teens disclose the music that they listen to, uh, to you, or that they show you the shows that they're watching you, even yeah. if the content is terrible, yeah. that's a win. Because a like trust, celebrate yeah. that because they trust you enough to let you in that's right. and to invite you into their culture, even if it's messy and not parent approved. <laughs> uh, celebrate that moment because they've let you in, um, which then gives you a bigger voice into shaping it. And again, yeah. in a world where um, a lot of teenagers are afraid that their parents will freak out, if your teenager shares some of the messy stuff they listen listen to or do gosh celebrate that moment because yeah. not all teenagers do that and right, not all right. parents get get to be let in in that way so yeah. and then um, also sometimes that comment like uh, i couldn't tell my parents because they freak out the instruction and the teaching and the guidance that you're giving yeah. they're hearing yes right like yeah. they're hearing and they're understanding they may not be obedient like yeah. that's that's part of what we're what, what we're hopefully yeah. working towards yeah but they're understanding and they're yeah. hearing because they know that it would be displeasing. So, yeah. so even in that, like, I know it doesn't feel like a win, but yeah. <laughs> you're, you're moving in the right direction. Like, yeah. so I, I think that it's, yeah, both sides of that. There's, there can be value in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads to the next step. So okay. some parents might be thinking like, okay, how do you respond well? Like, uh, I, you know, and if you, if you know me, uh, I ride on I-76 every day <laughs> and do I know how to react? Like sometimes I have to slow down and be like, okay, Christian, just breathe. Like I'm driving into church. Yeah. Driving to my job, which is, you know, at Jesus's house, like the yeah. church. Right. And so, um, I get that it's so difficult sometimes to respond. Um, but we want to provide yeah. another step or another tool that could hopefully help us respond. Um, and so the third kind of tip per se is to ask good questions yeah, that get them good. and you to think. So just to recap, so meet them in their culture, yes. respond more than you react yeah. and then ask good questions. I love this one. This yeah. one in my years of youth ministry, this is, and I don't feel like I was great at asking good questions, yeah. but every once in a while, man, the perfect question mm-hmm. could, can, 
entirely change a conversation. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, man, this was my favorite. So, yeah. like, jump into this. Yeah, so the third uh, thing, ask good questions. So I always I, – I, someone told me, I think I read it once, that uh, an article that said always have three to five good questions in your pocket. It doesn't mean you got to write them down. Oh, Literally, man, I, I wasn't that good. There. But, but uh, always okay. have three to five questions in your okay. mind that you can turn to in any situation um, to to create a space of response instead of a reaction. And so let's just do a hypothetical. Let's just say um, you invite them to play the song in the radio in yep. the car. Yep. You know, you do that first thing. Then the second thing uh, is like, oh, this is not a good song. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're instead of reacting, maybe you're biting your tongue um, or you're just like, I don't know, do whatever you need to do to not react um, and you want to respond, you might have these questions in your back pocket. So um, you could ask that, hey, help me understand. The song articulates some pretty violent or maybe sexually explicit explicit content. Um, so even if you need to go over the, some of the lyrics um, and address what's happening in the song and um, say, yeah, ask, help me understand this song. Yeah. Um, the second thing is what values, if you, you can ask your teenager this, what values in the song do you find valuable and why? Yeah. And so you're, this might be the first time some of your teenagers are engaging in these questions. Uh, and so it's a, it's a profound teaching moment right, right. Um, to teach them like, oh, I didn't even think like that I'm kind of encouraging or supporting or consuming these values that actually are very against what I hold dear, hopefully, right? Yeah. Um, and so what values in the song do you find valuable and why? Ask them that question. If it's a song that is explicit, like what in the song is valuable to you? Like why do you like to yeah. listen to it? Um, have you thought about some of the lyrics that are actually in the song? Um, or even asking another question, why is it that you think this song is so popular? Right. Um, like I know I heard Justin Bieber. I haven't listened to it. Um, I'm meaning to do it at some point. Oh, come um, on. I know you're a huge There's Justin some Bieber songs, fan. you know, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's some songs that you know, I find really catchy. Um, but I did hear that his most recent album, I think it's called Yummy. Or no, Changes is the name of the album. I couldn't even um, tell you, man. I heard that some of the content is really explicit. Mm. It's just like really, like really um, makes people uncomfortable, like makes parents uncomfortable. Right. Teenagers might be listening to it. Yeah. And so I um, asked the questions like, why is this album so popular? Yeah. Why, uh, why is everyone listening to it? Um, and then another question is, what is the ultimate message that this song is advocating for? And do you agree with it? Mm. And so you're inviting them to identify what the message of the song is, but then you're asking them, okay, if you're listening to this and consuming with it, do you agree with what it's yeah. advocating for? And this is a hard conversation. This is something that I think takes time to it's, get to this it's place. Challenging, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I do think so. I think that I, I'm trying to think of a, an example. I'm trying to think of, of the words like so. I I like these questions because they're very pointed, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. it's driving towards kind of the why without directly saying. Why do you, why do you like the song? Because yeah. I think if you ask why do you like this song, it's pretty general. Yeah, and they're it's, going to be general, like, well, I like the way it sounds. Yeah, or yeah. I like the way that it's catchy. But if you can kind of make that a little bit of a a, a deeper question yeah. of going, hey, well, what is it about this song? Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't even feel like that's a great question. I feel like the ones that you just gave. What's the message of the song? Yeah. Why do you think it's so popular? Like, by asking why do you think it's so popular, what you're doing is you're placing that. On why do you think your friends think it's popular? Yeah. Which in turn is kind of a self-identifying way for them to explain why yeah. they think it's popular. Yeah, true. Why they like it. So you're getting some insight into your teenager. Yeah. 
without directly asking for insight into yeah. your teenager. Yeah. Like that's ultimately what you're driving towards yeah. is that you're curious about what, what it is that attracts them to that song. And so that's kind of a roundabout way of getting it. Yeah. It just helps, helps kind of break down the walls where you're not, well, why do you like, and the way yeah. that you say it too, yeah. well, why do you like this song? Like yeah. the, you <laughs> can tell that the, the that's, part. you know, mom or dad or whoever, well, they're pretty dis disappointed that i like this song yeah. so i don't even want to get into it with them so yeah yeah again because they're re they're revealing that to you yeah uh and that's again that's a huge win yeah. um so celebrate that and then create a dialogue around it because again the objective here is to um, help form our young people help them grow help them consume media wisely uh and help them uh you know lean into a culture that is is healthy and it expresses your deep values that you hold yeah. on to so um so yes yeah, so that's step three and a lot of the stuff uh goes hand in hand with the process that we were talking about in the last two episodes right, right. to not only understand culture, but respond to it. And so some right. of these um, help out with that. So, all right. So yeah. number one was meet them in their culture. Yep. Number two was respond more than you react. Number three was ask good questions and get them to think is the goal of that. And then what's the last one? Last yeah. kind of tip or pointer or yeah. bonus content, whatever you want to. Yeah. So I think this is one of the, one of the more important ones to um, sell vision, not rules. Mm. Um, most people buy into the vision, right. not the rules. And a lot of times the rules are not the end in of themselves. The rules are a means to an end and right. the end is the vision itself, what you're right. hoping will happen. So the kind of the way I thought about this is uh, as a Christian, um, I've read some, uh, books about just kind of, uh, American culture and Christianity. Uh, and it's, uh, a lot of books talk about this concept called moralistic therapeutic deism, which is kind of a very watered down version of Christianity that's been very prevalent in um, in the Western world. Yeah. Uh, and so moralistic, it's all about doing good. Therapeutic, it helps you feel good. Like, right, it helps you just kind of, you walk away with these like one-liners in the Bible and it helps you feel good. Uh, and then deism is this idea that God is not, not involved that much. He's like a, a, a clockmaker who builds his watch and then lets it run hands-free, like doesn't have to be involved. And so I think a lot, um, this is kind of the, the phrase in which a lot of people or I guess some theologians and deep thinkers have said, this is mo what might be happening in, in kind of West, the Western world. Um, but, um, and so, but a big part of that is this moralistic part. A lot of people think about church and Christianity and they're like, oh, it's just like a bunch of rules. Like, right. um, I just have to go be good. Um, say my prayers, check off the box of going to church. And they kind of reduce this profound, uh, this, this profound religion, this profound opportunity to participate w with God and what he's doing in the world. They reduce it to like, I just got to do good and I got to <laughs> right. feel good and uh, stuff like that. And I think, gosh, we're missing the mark. And so, yeah. um, and so you, we see this even um, in scriptures, this idea, um, like we, people see scripture lies like this rule book, but I think we miss out on the vision of it. Uh, ultimately, like ultimately what God is trying to do is restore everything that's broken. Every relationship, every um, everything that's broken about the world, conflict, war. I think God, I truly believe that God is all about, is a God of restoration and is wanting right. to restore and redeem everything that is broken. And the means at which uh, scripture tries to do that is to create these um, kind of like expectations, like in order for you to achieve, a, you know, a restored world, like going back to the Garden of Eden where, where everything is peaceful, right? Um, in order to do that, here are some parameters or 
I kind of like to think of scripture rules as guardrails yeah. to keep you on the track. And if you break them, then you're at risk of more damage and more hurt. And so I think uh, when scripture says don't steal and kill and commit adultery, it's because the world is better. You know, Ben, if I stole from you, uh, that wouldn't be bad, great. Bad things happen. If I killed you, like, <laughs> uh, that, the world would be better if we just didn't kill, kill each other. And the world would be better if we didn't, like, commit adultery and just lie and cheat and do right. all of these things that, that produce so much pain and hurt. Right, right. And so I think the vision that we have to buy into is God is restoring and redeeming everything that is broken. And he gives us these rules as parameters or guardrails to lean into that, to bring heaven to earth and to buy into this vision that everything's going to be restored. Stored. And so all of that to say that I think that's how we um, go about this conversation with culture with our young people yeah. is we create a vision, which this would probably be step three of the um, Richard Osmer's practical theological task that we do. Right. Right. Step three is to de define your values, define your beliefs um, and let that uh, be the kind of focus point here. Say, uh, so maybe uh, with teenagers consuming uh, media, uh, you want to um, you want to give them a vision of like, hey, you know, we want to buy. The world is better when we're not uh, leaning into these ideas of you know uh, that women are objects to be treated as objects, or that um, uh, that it's okay to lie, steal, and to slander your neighbor, or anything like that. And so sell the vision of God. Gosh, we want to buy into just a world of restoration. We want to buy into this vision of you know we're growing together as a family. We're learning together. Uh, it's okay to fail, but we're continuing to grow. And so create that vision, and then um, and then the guardrails or things that you put. Up to protect us from kind of going off the road and so yeah. sell the vision sell yeah. create a vision for your family or for your teenager uh, and say hey this is what we're striving for and then the rules or our expectations are simply the parameters um, at which we use to move closer to yeah, the vision and i think that kind of goes in line with what we we're talking about uh, even kind of identifying where you're at with your student like your goal yeah and, and you talked about that that parent teacher um, not parent teacher, that student teacher, that, that explorer guide yeah. and that last one of, of, focuser uh, and focuser and resourcer. Yeah. Like that's ultimately your goal is to get to that. But I think in order for, for you to get to that point, like by the time you're at a focuser and uh, a resourcer, really there needs to be able to have conversations and dialogue. Like you're, you're working through that. You're trying to figure, figure that out together. And at that point, you're not giving rules. Mm -hmm. You're selling vision. And I, yeah. I think it kind of go, goes back to leadership. Like as I'm thinking about the church church world, like very rarely do you pick a church by the rules that they follow, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Like I want to know what rules you follow. No, you want to know the vision yeah. and the direction of where they're going. The vision yeah. is just kind of this picture of the preferred future. Yeah. So give that to your student yeah. and give that to your teenager. And in doing so, you, and, and that takes time. Like yeah, one of the things that we say in church world all the time is that vision leaks. Like yeah. that was by a pretty, um, a pretty well-known leader at the time that yeah. said that like vision leaks. So you need to constantly give vision and yeah, re, re kind of paint that picture of what the preferred future would look like. And I think that you're right. I think that in scripture, you see that God's saying, you know, these things like God hates divorce. Well, it's not because he hates the people that are involved in divorce. Yeah. He hates the hurt yeah, that that causes. Yeah, gosh, yeah. So it's a, picture of the preferred future where man god doesn't want you to experience that hurt and that pain yeah but it, but it does happen in in yeah. the world that we live yeah. in so so i just kind of thinking through that thinking through life in in the church world um i am curious though what are like is there situations or times where you just uh, and maybe i'm jumping ahead you kind of control this where however you want to take this yeah. but 
well, there's certain times where maybe you don't follow this, these three steps, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, or the four steps, you don't follow these guidelines that you just kind of go out of order. What does that kind of look like? Yeah. Um, so you're referring to, I guess, like maybe there's a uh, harmful artifact or maybe a harmful behavior that yeah. our teenagers or young people right. are engaging in that. Right. Um, that needs to stop. And yeah. Just, like if it continues, like, like t take drugs for an example, like yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. going to go, well, why are they like, you're yeah. going to go, no, this needs to stop. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Kind right. of, yeah. Come right. back to the example of a kid running into the street or right. yeah. Um, so I think I don't want to pretend to know, and this is where it gets complicated because every situation is wildly different. Right. Um, and so you as a parent have to just be diligent to kind of think through that. But yeah, if there's a kind of a harmful, maybe a cultural artifact that is, has immediate harm, or if there's a, a behavior that is being engaged that has immediate harm, I'd say it's, uh, it's more than appropriate to kind of step in and remove them from that situation. But I think it's really, really important that we don't forget, um, to make it, make sure that they are learning in the process. Cause I right. could remove an artifact or remove something from their life and they will never know why because right. I never explained it to them and right. they will not learn. And so whenever, if ever, um, we deem it necessary to immediately remove them from a situation in action or something that they're consuming, uh, from culture, it always warrants an explanation. Like right. we have to explain, Hey, this is why this is the vision. This is what we're shooting for. And this action runs very counter to what we're seeking to do to, um, to this vision that we're trying to do. And so, um, so I think it's more than appropriate sometimes. Uh, and I think we have to evaluate, you know, our, our role as parents and teachers and leaders is to shepherd our students. Um, and if there is a, you know, a wolf attacking the flock, right. we try and eliminate the wolf as quickly as possible or get right, rid of right. it or protect our young people. Right. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, I'd say it's more than appropriate on occasion to very, um, to be very diligent and wise and consider if we need to re immediately remove someone from a, a context or a setting. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's more than appropriate, but again, always explaining, Hey, this is why I just did that. This is why I just removed you from that. Yeah. Um, an example I have actually, um, fascinating example. Um, I was talking with a friend about this when I lived in Tennessee is a uh, gang culture. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times you see, um, man, young people and maybe the urban setting, um, might find themselves in the throes of joining a gang. Right. Um, and gosh, it's like scary. It's terribly broken. Uh, the culture of, you know, gangs is not all that great. Um, right. Um, very, uh, in some, some cases, very dangerous settings, very harmful settings. But, um, my friend explained to me, uh, a lot of gangs, they do community and camaraderie right. incredibly well. Right. Like, cause when you experience a, maybe a, a, um, a situation with adrenaline or in a situation that has a lot of risk, right. uh, that solidifies community bonds. Right. Like when you experience something so profound with someone else, uh, that solidifies bonds. And so it's crazy. Gangs do community and camaraderie really well. In yeah. fact, I think they do it better than some churches. <laughs> um, but are gangs a great place for young people to be? No, no. Right. And so, um, so that is one of those examples of, uh, okay, what's happening? My, my teenagers in a gang, like, I don't know, gosh, I don't know why. Uh, and I hope if you're listening to this, that this never, you know, happens. Um, but then asking why, like, why are they there? Oh my gosh, they're finding like community there that yeah. they didn't find elsewhere. They didn't find it in the church. They're finding right, camaraderie, right. brotherhood. Um, to your point, like uh, I'm thinking of a missionary friend of mine in Guatemala, like gang violence is pretty big. In, in Guatemala yeah. and a lot of the kids that he's kind of working with works with inner city kids like yeah. in one of the most dangerous zones a lot of the kids are, are exactly that they yeah. join gangs because 
gangs actually there's there's strength in numbers. Yeah. So they can get what they want or they can take what they want yeah, in a high yeah. poverty area. Yeah. Like so there's so there's kind of this financial protection or yeah. at least because they these gangs can invoke fear to people, yeah. they get what they want so they have more resources. Like so it's it's this fascinating like kind of in full agreement with what you're saying yeah. is that man, they find community, they found find value, they find yeah. identity and like they find a lot of the things that they don't have yeah. in a gang. And, yeah. and yes, it's illegal. Yes. It's destructive yeah. yet. If they didn't do that, they might not have the food that they now have. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a financial gain in that too. So it's, it's fascinating to think of that. Like you said, it was a fascinating example and it's like, yeah. And then obviously my friend's trying to work towards man. How do we, how do we, change that and he's yeah he's got a school it's called el centro yeah like so and trying to provide after school programming like so um his name is peter odulana he's yeah. a missionary to guatemala does a a school and after school program called el centro yeah um youth Min or youth center yeah so yeah so trying to work towards against that and trying to work against gangs but yeah. just kind of illustrate your point yeah and so uh, in this setting is more than appropriate if you can and if you have the chance to remove people from that space but then you step into step three like what are we trying to achieve here what right. ought to be happening right and then how do we make it happen and we see peter and i know peter dear friend of ours yeah. um he did just that he created that space where people can find that community right. they can find that camaraderie and they can find those resources in a culture that is so healthy with the vision to you know help people flourish as opposed yeah. to what you might find in gang culture right? Yeah, right and so identify that and then create the need or create the opportunity to speak to that experience yeah. um and, and so and i don't know that this wasn't planned and maybe this is a shameful plug but <laughs> if you're interested in learning more about peter contact us let us know yeah um we'd love to get you in touch with peter or uh, i'll even tell you as well website is lcentrogt.com yeah you can find more information there if you're yeah. interested in getting getting to know a little bit more or helping him out in any yeah. way so yeah. yeah so all that to say um there are some situations and some instances where it might be appropriate to um to make the decision for our young people yeah. uh to remove them from that uh situation and again that all goes back to where is our teenager uh, on that three uh kind of paradigm process um because sometimes you might help them walk through that but sometimes you just might need to say hey i'm going to remove you from this situation i'm going to remove this from your life yeah. uh, and then i'm going to create a space that speaks to your need um in a way that's helpful and for your flourishing yeah so um so yeah, so that's kind of uh, yeah. I feel like we should probably <laughs> wrap it up. If, uh, do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to share before we kind of draw to a close? Yeah, I'll kind of wrap it up with this. Um, so, gosh, teenage years, especially today with technology and everything going on, it's a weird phase. Um, it's just a weird season, and they're growing so much. They are sponges, literally. I guess a uh, psychologist is studying their brains said like they're very. Um, very plasticity is the word yeah. their brains are always forming in this season just as much as when they were an infant right. um and so this is an incredible and an important opportunity a phase that we just do not want to miss out on um so we will encourage you guys and challenge you guys and and thank you guys for um stepping alongside your teenagers and being interested in their development and for joining them in this journey yeah. um i think uh it doesn't always look pretty and in fact a lot of times it's messy um but i think most good things in life are difficult and messy so um, let's just continue in the journey uh, and hopefully um, you find that this is a place where you can get some resources to help you in that journey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if we're not covering topics that you want to 
cover? How can they help us out? With yeah. That? So we'd love if you've got a question about today's, uh, you know, topic, anything that we talked about, we'd love to hear from you. Um, if you've got thoughts or ideas about maybe what we could do in the future, like we'd love to hear from you as well. So the way that you can do that is that you can um, email us at, at or email us at the well at clcfamily.church. Uh, we'd love to get connected to you there. Also, our social media handles, if you're interested in kind of staying up to date through Facebook, through Instagram, um, our Instagram handle is at the.well.podcast. And then Facebook, it's at the well podcast one. And that's all one word there. Uh, the well podcast one or Instagram, the.well.podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining us. We're really glad that you're here. Um, this episode is, is going to be dropping. Um, wait, what, uh, what episode are we on? I'm sorry. I just got confused. We're this is episode it. four right now. Yeah. And that's, yes. and this will be like, the same day as episode the same three. Day as the other one. Yeah. yeah. And so. our, our next episode, I'm actually really excited about, well, it's going to be on a teen's take on culture. So we're actually yeah. going to have some young people on the podcast, um, and I'm going to invite them to listen to some of our past podcasts, and they're going to tell us where we were wrong, <laughs> where we were right, uh, and they're just going to offer some feedback. Um, yeah. I think it's super valuable for us to be able to hear from them. So yeah. uh, next time at the cool. well. Yeah, we hope that you join us at the well next time as we listen to a teen's take. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us at the well, and hope you guys have a great week. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye.